Well, good morning, and thank you, Kathy, for music. <clears throat> My throat's a little scratchy today. I'm glad you're here. Today's birthday day. Uh, I'll teach you a song that we have at Life Point Church. You ready? Just got to clap. It's, it's pretty easy. This is the birthday song. It doesn't last that long. Okay. Um, I try to remember the words to that. It's, it's pretty tough. This is the birthday song. It doesn't last that long. Hey, and that's about what we sing, but we do sing the regular birthday. Let me see if I can review with you a little bit, and then we'll jump into today's. So I'm glad you're here. First timers uh, at camp right here, raise your hand. You know, anybody? Great. I'm, I welcome you because, really, I'm glad you're here. I, I invite people to camp. Uh, I even try to bring some folks I have before at my church. And so I bring them down. So I'm glad you're here for the first time. If you've been here multiple years, good for you because I have been too. Our second day at chapel, I said, I hope you're off to a good start this week and enjoying chapel. Um, it seems to me that, let me switch this on. seems to me that I have been here for many years, so I feel quite at home, but I want you to feel comfortable as well. So jump right in and feel at home. Best thing you've done so far, I don't know, I love chapel, but that's just because I'm, uh, not just because I'm speaking, but this is where God meets. This is the whole idea around chapel. Chapel's sort of like the hub of the wagon wheel and everything else are the spokes. And so I'm glad you get to do fun things. But I applaud you. I've never had a week of day camp, so you guys are my first. So while I've been here for many years, uh, if this is your first time at camp, this is my first time doing a day camp. So we're even. So I've got to ask you, if you want to introduce you to my family, I'll get rid of these guys. Woo! He's gone, sinks down in there. Uh, who is this? This is Gray. You say, oh, you named him Gray because that's his color. Well, Gray is about 16 years old. So I got to, he'll get me up about 2.30 in the morning sometimes. Next night, wake me up at 5. He's just different. Uh, maybe that's God's way of making me uh, pause and pray while I let him out. But I can't get mad at him at all. That's my wife, Virginia from Virginia with a, sugar sculpture. Uh, that's my son. His name is Andy, James Andrew, and that's his beautiful wife, Lindsay. Lindsay is going to have a, a baby, and his name's going to be James Stewart Moser. Yeah, we're going to call him Jimmy Stewart, I guess. Uh, that's me dancing because I'm happy. Uh, that's my kitty cat. Yesterday was her birthday. We're one day off for her birthday. And that's my church family. And so yesterday, uh, I got you to think a little bit. We talked about love and God's love for you. And man, what better Valentine's Day is that? There's some verses about love. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. And I used that word lavished, and I gave you an idea. It's just sort of like being dunked. So that was sort of like my guys. They are dunked in aftershave. So God's lavished his love on you. Yesterday, talked about the love of God emancipates, no, uh, that's way down here if you memorize them in order, equalizes. What do we say? Uh, God's love is equal for everybody. Now, if I walked around, I gave you a piece of birthday cake today, and you looked around and said, this is amazing. Everybody got exactly the same size piece. Because I know you, uh, if you see a birthday cake, you want the biggest piece. You see, yeah. Can I have the corner piece? Because that's got icing. See, we always want to be a little bit different like that. So God's love is equal. For all of us. And then God's love endures and God's love emancipates and God's love elevates. It makes us feel better. So there's my three key words from yesterday. What about today? Uh, I told you I reviewed a little bit. 
There's yesterday's message in a nutshell. Today is a lesson on today's birthdays. So birthdays, I'm at, most time people say, what's the date of your birthday? Well, so we toss up some dates right there. If I did a quick history lesson, does anybody have any idea what happened on July the 4th, 1776? I guess that's America's birthday, if that's what they want to call it. Yep. Uh, we celebrate. Does, does England have a July the 4th? Yeah, every country's got a July the 4th. They just don't celebrate Independence Day. But anyway, July the 4th, 1776. How about April 14th, 1865? have no idea for that one. It's actually when a president named Lincoln was assassinated that day. And it was sad because it was Good Friday, just before Easter. And I believe Lincoln was a Christian looking forward to Jesus' resurrection. And Lincoln died on that Friday, Good Friday, before Easter came that year. Uh, what's the top one? In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yeah, we know history, okay. December 7th, 1941, you say, I don't know these things. That was Pearl Harbor. The Japanese flew a mission over Pearl Harbor in our Hawaii and surprised us. November 22nd, assassination of John F. Kennedy. They said Kennedy and Lincoln were a lot alike, both of them. I don't know if you've ever seen those things. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy, and Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. And, well, they, one was shot in a theater, and the guy that shot him, John Wilkes Booth, ran to a... Well, uh, before he actually got to the barn, he actually, uh, uh, no, nope. although he about broke his leg when he jumped. Well, let me see if you know the other one. John F. Kennedy, Lee Harvey Oswald shot him from a book depository building and then ran to a theater. So guess what? John Wilkes Booth actually shot Lincoln in a theater and ran to about like the library, therefore tried to hide out. He eventually ran out of the city and hid in the barn. That's where he was apprehended. A little bit, September 22nd, 1954, you say, does that ring a bell to anybody? Now, that's my birthday, so I thought, hey, I knew you wouldn't know that, so happy birthday to me on September 22nd. Now, when is your birthday? I have no idea, but it would be cool if I stood up everybody, and I'm not going to do that, but I said everybody born in August can sit down or then December, and we finally narrow it down to where a few people would be standing, and then we could even narrow it down to your date. So... What you think of that is, it's like, when I think of birthdays, it's like something that's being started, such as, if it starts, if it's established, if it began, if it's chartered, it's sort of like the genesis of everything. In the first book in our Bible, yeah, you say, maybe not in chronological order, but Genesis is the first book in our Bible, so that's the birthday, that's the starting point, institution, so of the Bible. But I can give you... Uh, What's 1607? See, you're in Tennessee, so it'd be easier for my state. Uh, 1607 was the settlement of, um, that's Jamestown. Yeah, we're the oldest permanent settlement. That's founding of James. 1776, yeah, you already got that one. That's the founding of our country. 1693, and you say, oh, I have no idea. Anybody going to college right now? Uh, you uh, counselors, okay? So when has your college started? Do you have any idea? Okay, so see, I mean, I tend, I got some classes at Liberty, so uh, Liberty was started in 71. So I happen to know, uh, 1693, you say, I have no idea. That was William & Mary. It's the second oldest college in the nation. You say, oh, anybody ever heard of William & Mary? I was named after, yeah, the, some people from Britain. Yep, you guessed it. Uh, so people that attend William & Mary are actually attending the school where Thomas Jefferson can 
George Wythe and, you know, those guys. 1842, that's where my son Andy went to school at Roanoke College. Hollins University is where my daughter-in-law Lindsay went. Virginia Tech started 30 years later. 1971, that's Liberty. 1983, that's my son's birthday. And then in 2010, LifePoint Church had its birthday. So we got a lot of birthdays today. That's our starting point. August the 8th, 2020. What on earth will happen then? You said, I don't know, it hadn't come yet. That's the birth date of James Stewart Moser, so we're looking forward to him. Never had a birthday. He's going to have one this year, truly his birthday. The rest are just celebrations of your birthday. James Stewart Moser, that's what's going to happen on that day. So happy birthday to everyone. How would you like to have two birthdays? You said, it'd be great. I get twice the presents. Uh, could? Twice the presents. So I could give you more presents, and you can. There are two birthdays you can celebrate. Two birthdays. Um, I'll give you one. Now, I ask you to review a little bit with me, and you did that just fine. I'll give you this. This is called, uh, this is out of Glory Days, Max Licato. This little boy named Jimmy Wayne. Does anybody remember Jimmy Wayne? I told you a story yesterday. Yeah, Jimmy Wayne sort of had two birthdays. Now, technically, he doesn't, I know, but when you're adopted, that's sort of like being brought into the family. Uh, yeah, so... Jimmy Wayne never knew his father. His mom spent more time in prison than out. When he was 12 years old, I asked you yesterday, anybody 12? Anybody 12 years old? So guys, how can you picture this at 12 years old? You don't have the bed in your house anymore. You don't have even a nice cabin here at camp. You don't even get to go into a, a room. You get to sleep in the car, and you say, that'd be horrible. Jimmy Wayne's room, if you want to call it, they loaded... Jimmy into a car when 12 year old, at 12 years old. When he was 12 years old, she was released from jail and took up with a troublemaker. They loaded Jimmy into the backseat of an old Delta 88, and for a year, the car was his home. It had bench seats and smelled like body odor, remembers Jimmy. They drove from city to city, avoiding the police. And after miles of drifting, they dumped Jimmy in the parking lot of a Pensacola, Florida bus station, drove off and left him. Sounds like Jimmy's in big-time trouble. He is. Now when he was 13 years old, he had no home, no future, no provision living on the streets. One day while wandering through a neighborhood, he spotted an older man who was at a work in a garage wood shop. He approached the elderly gentleman and asked if the man had any work. The carpenter sized up the boy, assessed him to be homeless, and decided to give him a chance. The man introduced himself as Russell. He called for his wife, B, who came to the garage. They showed Jimmy the lawnmower and how to operate it, and for several weeks, Jimmy cut the grass. How much did they pay him? $20. After some time, B asked Jimmy where he lived, and at first he lied, afraid she wouldn't let a homeless boy stay there anymore. But her heart went out to him. She finally convinced him to tell the truth. When he did, the couple took him in. They gave him his own bedroom, bathroom, and place at the dinner table. The home was like heaven to Jimmy. It's almost like being born again. Hmm. He took a hot bath and ate hot meals. He even sat with the family in the living room, watched television in the evening, and still, in spite of their kindness, Jimmy never unpacked his bag. He refused to unpack his bag. He'd been turned away so many times before. He learned to just keep his bag packed, and when the people kicked him out, he picked up his little plastic bag, contained his clothes, and we'd walk out the door. For four days, his plastic bag sat on the floor, full of clothes, ready to be snatched up when B and Russell would change their minds and kick him out. He was in the house, but not in the house. He was under the roof, but not under the promise. He was with the family, but didn't behave like a family member. Russell eventually convinced Jimmy to unpack and move in. Took several days, a dozen or so hot meals, 
and more than one heart-to-heart conversation, but Russell finally persuaded Jimmy to trust him. And by the way, Jimmy Wayne found a new season. He uh, took his place in the family, went on to get an education, found a career in country music, singing and being a songwriter. He finally learned to unpack his bags and sort of have a second birthday. Hmm. Do you ever realize that adoption is somewhat sort of like having a second birthday? Because I'm born physically, but then when I get a new family, it's almost like having life start over for me. And that's what Jimmy Wayne did. You can have a physical birth and you can have a spiritual birth. I can't have two birthdays. Let me see if you're listening. How many people know their spiritual birthday? Wow, I'm impressed. That's a lot of you. I get a little Bible that doesn't leave the house now. I leave it because my mom and daddy gave it to me in July of 1963. This is July of, wow, 2020. My spiritual birthday is in this month. Hmm. They gave me a Bible, and I can open that up. The cover is about fall off. Had little pictures of, you know, the famous Bible stories, you know, uh, parting of the Red Sea or, or Samson tearing down the pillars of the temple and Jonah next to the large fish. And I got those pictures sprinkled throughout that Bible. I opened it up, and right there in July 1963, my mom and daddy gave me that Bible. It's called The Little Companion. It's cool. It's got a zipper on it, but I never even used that zippered cover. It's about to fall off. But I love that. So I celebrate my birthday this month. If you were born once, little riddle, then you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll die once. Hmm. Ran that by you again? Okay. If I'm born once, September 22nd, 1954, then I'll die twice. I'll die a physical death, and then one day I would die a spiritual death. I'd spend it in hell if I didn't know Jesus. So I've died physically, and I'll die spiritually. But I've asked Jesus into my heart. I told you I had a spiritual birthday in July 1963. When I was nine years old, I got saved in the month of July. I can even remember we had it was a revival service. And then uh, in August, those who had accepted Jesus got baptized in August. I can still remember on that cold creek uh, going down to Patton's Dam, going through there and the slip sliding on the rocks. I went right out there and we were bab- I was baptized along with several others. So if you're born twice, I was. I was born September 22nd, 1954. I was born again in July. I'll only die once. That's a physical death. Won't you die spiritually? Absolutely not. I'll die physically. I'll quit breathing one day and then right in the presence of Jesus and there's where I get to live forever. I hope everybody's had two birthdays in. Two birthdays. Now, is that confusing? Uh, And you say, well, a little bit. Don't feel bad then. It was confusing to a teacher. It was confusing to a man named Nicodemus. So look in the Bible in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We've got a uh, leading religious group of the time. They're the Pharisees. They They got a group that they like to hang around with. They don't always agree with, but they did agree with each other on one time. They agreed long enough with each other to put Jesus to death. Isn't it amazing? We can have two enemies that they'll join forces if they want to fight Jesus. But the Pharisees, John chapter 3 is where we're going to find the New Testament. Remember yesterday we find in Matthew. Find the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Fourth gospel to the right there if you find the New Testament. You say, gosh, these are the most familiar verses in the world. Uh, John 3, 16 is going to be in this chapter. But where's that? Sometimes we know that verse and have no idea what the story is. 
Nicodemus was an amazing guy, so uh, I want to talk about him. John chapter 3, if somebody's beside you and you haven't found it, let them help you find it. It's a gospel. So the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You say, why should I read the gospel? If you ask Jesus into your heart and you accept Him as your Savior, you've been forgiven of your sins, this is the first book I would read is the book of John. Why? Because John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's going to tell you all about his best friend. I think that's even cool. You got Sometimes people make Jesus, it's like, and of course he deserves to be lifted up, but they sometimes make him so high and mighty, and I know he is, but they make him unapproachable. It's like, oh, don't talk to him. He doesn't have time for you. That's never the case. So Jesus is our next door Savior. Uh, I sort of tell people that Jesus is sort of like my, uh, do y'all have your favorite pair of blue jeans to wear? Do you have your favorite? Yeah. Jesus is your favorite pair of blue jeans, so to speak. He's not your tuxedo. So what's the difference? How often does somebody wear a tuxedo? Once, yeah. So Jesus is like my suit. I bring him out every once in a while, but otherwise he just goes back over and stays. That's not, shouldn't be the case. Jesus is your favorite pair of blue jeans, your sweatshirt. He's with you every day. He's where you feel comfortable at. He's not somebody unapproachable. Be careful where you put Jesus because, oh, I, I can't talk to him. It's like, you know, Prince Charles in England or the Queen, I could never talk to them. Really? Well, Jesus, I talk to him all the time. So Jesus is my next door friend. He's easy to talk to. Should be for you too. So Nicodemus, he had heard Jesus talk, but it was from a distance. He didn't really know him. So one night he decided to go see him. Here's where our story comes in. John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. So far, so good. You say, I got it. There's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. If you want to sit there and take this apart like you do it in, in your English class, you might want to say, okay, there was a man. I got that down, Pat, of the Pharisees. Oh, you lost me. Who's the Pharisees? They're one of the leading religious groups that are also pretty, uh, sort of like a court. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are a little bit opposite in the fact that the Pharisees like to govern and every little city, picture a local governmental body that can get things done. Only they're religious and they're poor, sort of political and religious at the same time. They really like to blow their own horn. They like to say that we're in charge. Uh, it'd be like a deacon board that's just been blown out of proportion. It's like, we're going to tell the church what to do and anybody else will listen. Now, the Pharisees didn't agree quite with the de uh, Sadducees. Sadducees were a group that did not believe in a resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. They did not believe that there was life after death. They thought you died, went to the grave, and that was it. Nah. By the way, I won't turn to it, but I just always think it's funny when I read through the Bible and read this. The Sadducees came to Jesus one time and said, Jesus, trying to trick him, what if a, you know, a woman married a man and a man died, and then she remarried another man and he died, and then that the brothers, they had seven brothers. She just kept marrying the brother of the person who had died before that. Whose wife would she be in eternity? You know what my first thought would have been to them? Jesus was, he said, let me ask you a question. He got through that. But my first point, they were sitting there trying to trick him with a question that they didn't even believe in. Suppose a Martian landed in your front yard. Well, first of all, what are you doing? There's no Martian. Well, we're just going to make it up just to aggravate you. So whose wife would she be in the resurrection? This is coming from a group that doesn't even believe in the resurrection. So I'm thinking, you know how people talk crazy? Uh, Sadducees were like that. Well, the Pharisees had a number of ruling people here, and Nicodemus was one of them, a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, 
Rabbi, which means teacher. Notice he didn't say Savior. He said Rabbi, like, Professor, let me ask you a question. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. He knew that much. For no one could perform the miracle signs, miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. You've got to be the real deal. So you're, you've come from God. Well, he had that close to right. He not only came from God, guess what? He was God. You know, in the beginning, John wrote this, by the way. If we just turn back a page or so to chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten, the Father full of grace and full of truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, who's the Word? Verse 14 tells you. The Word became flesh. It can't be any blunt, more blunt than that. By the Word, if the Word became flesh, what kind of birth was that? That was physical. The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I like, Nick, I like the way John writes. Can't miss his point. Jesus' Word. Hmm. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. Here it comes. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> Nicodemus is like, what? How can a man be born when he's old? Now, he sort of says a statement that's called a rhetorical question. You know, it'd be like, can I jump on top of this building in one bound? Of course not. He's just trying to say how ridiculous this is. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb to be born. I mean, what do you mean born again? And Jesus corrects him very softly and very kindly. Notice what he says. Jesus answered, again, I will tell you the truth. Unless a man is born of water. What kind of birth is that right there, by, by the way, born of water? That's a physical birth. When a mom says, and Lindsay, that's what will happen when they say, my water's broke. Remember the baby's in fluid, it's water. When the water breaks, the baby's about to come out. I think that's just amazing. We could sit there and all cry if we'd think about it. In Psalms 139, it says, God knits us together in a mother's womb. When it comes time, here we're to be born. Some of you have heard me say this before, but I'll quickly throw that in there. When I was born, they told my mom that I would be born dead, that some fluid had come up in her system and got through the kidneys and poisoned her system, and they said, your baby's going to be stillborn. He'll be born, but he won't be alive. And my mom said, well, I know different. And they would almost laugh at her. She would later tell me, they about roll her eyes up and say, okay, like, you think you know something. She did know something. And here I was born, and the last things that are formed on you are your teeth. My teeth aren't dazzling white like some of yours are. It's like, how come? It's missing the last couple coats of enamel. You know, somebody paint the house. Everybody's painted a room before, and you put that up, and the other color sort of bleeds through, and you say, oh, it needs another coat to cover it up. Well, my teeth need another coat or two of enamel. But I'm not fussing, never have, because I'm just glad I'm here. But I can put my tongue on my back teeth and the enamel comes up and stops. And on some of my teeth it takes off again. Back one's right there, it stops, never did start again. I had someone tell me in the medical field one time, they said, when your enamel stops, the fever pitched so high that you should have 
died at that point. I thought, well, I'm glad God knows what he's doing. Still does. So my mom's fever pitched, and that's when I should have died. But God says, no, up here looking from heaven, you know what? That mom has prayed a lot, and she knows her boy's going to be all right. And so he brings Edgar Moser in at about 8 pounds and 6 ounces on September 22nd, 1954, and here I am. I'm a miracle. I don't say that bragging. I just say that giving glory to him. So when you were born, you're a miracle? Yeah. According to the doctors, I was dead, and yet I was made alive. Guess what your spiritual condition is? You're dead, and then you'll be made alive. When you're dead, you don't know Jesus as Savior. When you accept Him, you become alive spiritually. Nicodemus is about to experience this. Watch this. We are now going into the birthing room right here. You say, really? Can we do that? Nicodemus is about to be born again. So Nicodemus, dead in his sins, knows a little something. He sort of scares me like that because some of you might have been that person too. I meet people all the time. They know just enough about God to be dangerous. They don't know him as Savior. They just know about him. And to me, that's sort of like, now, I think this is the dynamite stick, and that's the cap. I'm not sure how this works. <laughs> please don't go. Is this the gear shift? You know, it's like, oh, please don't. I'm not really able to fly a plane, but we can try it. Please don't. How's this chainsaw start? Please put it down. Now, do you pull a pin to explode the grenade? I'm not quite sure of this stuff. Please put it down. I know about God. I know you're a teacher from God. and Tell me about this God stuff. And by the way, if you're 16, anybody got their uh, learner's permit in Tennessee? Yeah, guess what? I teach driver's ed, and I occasionally get my conversation going about God. And I, I taught somebody back in the month of March, and she actually said this. She said, she was mentioning stuff like all this stuff happening and the virus and everything. Somebody's told me this is sort of like the end of the world. I said, well, it won't be the end of the world until God says so, but uh, God's in things. She said, you know, I don't know a lot about God. Well, this is your lucky day because uh, let me tell you about God. I even know him personally. Can you do that? Absolutely. Can you see him? Well, no, Hebrews 11, 6 says... Uh, you know, I can't see him, for without faith it's impossible to please him, but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And it, it's the evidence of things not seen, but my, I sure hope for him. So I start talking to her about G. She said, after a while, I loved it. She'd get in the next couple. Tell me that story in Genesis again, how this stuff started. Well, in the beginning, give me the first verse in Genesis. Somebody, 1-1. One, one. In the beginning, God there you go. God created the heavens and the earth. And it's like, really? And now, See, you could have taught this girl something. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jump over to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. So, mean the Word was there at creation? Yeah. Oh, and I love it when people learn stuff for the first time. Nicodemus is going to learn something for the first time. This is an old man. Well, I don't know how old he was, but he was a professor, so to speak, in college. He knew his stuff, and yet he shows up and says, Jesus, what's this deal? How can a man enter heaven is basically what he asks. And Jesus says, we've well, got to be born again. He says, uh, can unless a man's born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, well, how can a man be born again? Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I'll tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water physically and of the spirit, that's accepting Jesus. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh. He even explains it to him. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. 
verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Because what Nicodemus is probably thinking, well, I can't see anything. I, I don't see faith. I don't see spirit. Jesus gives him a great example. Well, it's sort of like the wind. The wind blows where it wants to. You don't see the wind, do you? The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. You can't see it. You don't know where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus asked something in verse 9. You rephrase it for me. Whether you're junior high, senior high. He says, how can this be? Put that in a math class right now. And I put a big formula up here. It looks like half the alphabet. I've had people say that before. Algebra. How can you do numbers with letters? A plus B squared equals minus the XR tangent of cowine. You know, people are like, okay, what would you raise your hand and say? Tell the truth. What would you say? Teacher, I do not what? I don't get it. Nicodemus now said, I don't get it. Only he phrased it a little bit different. How can this be? Like, what are you talking about? I've been there, done that. Can, yes. I, what are you talking about? Well, don't you see this right here? No. That's why I try to make examples in, in my class. If I said the square of the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the square of the other two sides, that's the Pythagorean theorem. And you go, what did you just say? Well, how about me saying it this way? You're standing on home plate. You run to first. You turn from first and go to second. Now, you're getting ready to, you know, take off, and you look like you're going to steal. The catcher jumps up and throws back to the second baseman to try to get you out. He just threw the hypotenuse. Oh, so to first is one side of that triangle. The other goes to second. But from home to second, that's the hypotenuse. That's the sum of the square of the other two sides. How much is that? That's 127 feet. I actually used the Pythagorean theorem to find second base one day when I was trying to put bases down. See? Now you say, okay, I understand it. Nicodemus says, help me to understand this. So here it comes. Now watch him. <laughs> He's very kind. Let me teach you something. It's like my driver's head class the other. Turn to page four and do this. Turn to page four. On page four, you and page four, and then somebody, what page are we on? And you're very kind to say, have you not been with me? Have you not been listening? Nicodemus says, how can this be? Watch what Jesus says. He corrects him. He's kind. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. Verse 10, you are Israel's teacher said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? You're trying to tell people about heaven and you don't even know how to get there. He was very kind to him. He said, you're Israel's teacher and, and do you not understand this? You're trying to win people to Jesus and tell them about God and you don't even know who he is. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people, you people, Sanhedrin there. You do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, if you don't know that story, I'll tell you that another day. So the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Nicodemus is probably still sitting there and go, I don't really understand. Okay, then let me be just blunt and poof. For God so loved the world, which includes you, Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's me, that whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, he finally got it. 
I think he understood right there. So you're Jesus. You're God's son. And if I trust in you, I'll go to heaven. Oh. Some of y'all might have just been Nicodemus. You ever seen a 3D puzzle like this and you go, oh, look, it's a dinosaur with a giraffe and a monkey. Look at that and you go, I don't see it. Try again and it says touch your nose to the page. You ever do that, the 3D, but you know, go like this. Now back it up slowly. And you have people turn around going like this. I still don't see it. Watch your eye and you back it up. Oh, there it is. You finally saw it for the first time. Nicodemus finally saw it for the first time. Oh. For God so loved all of us on this planet that He gave us you, and if we just trust you, oh my, that makes things so much simpler. Because up until now, I, I'm not reading out of the Bible right here, I mean, I'm just telling what Nicodemus is thinking. Up until now, we thought we had to keep the law, and that got us into heaven. Matter of fact, there's a law, there's ten rules given in the Old Testament in Exodus. What do y'all call them? The ten, ten commandments. They also had the law called the Torah, and the Torah, you say the first five books of the Bible are sometimes called the Hebrew, you know, Torah. Greek would call it the Septuagint. But anyway, the first five books. But see, I, I don't believe in that the law doesn't get me to heaven. But even if you just try to understand it, go with me, it would have been okay to have those. But the trouble is, these Jewish religious leaders, they added to the law. Tell me what commandment says you can't go from your house on the Sabbath. Anywhere close to that? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's the commandment. They didn't stop at that. But don't go within about 50 miles of your house. And don't go with... And then they started adding it. And I think I remember it being something like this. A pomegranate, if you bust open the pomegranate, it's got about 600 seeds. Guess how many laws they added to the Torah? 600. So these guys, it, that's a slippery slope when you start standing on it because you start adding stuff. It, it, oh, it'll never end. You know, I don't want to be political at all. Uh, it reminds me of the way the world is right now. And some people want to, uh, you know, tear down a statue here and tear down that. And I'm just thinking, guys, once you start doing that, it's not going to end. Nobody will ever be happy because if you're on board the hate train, you know what hate? Hate's not precious. It hates everybody. You know, it's like, we hate you. Why? It's because you're you. <laughs> guys, you can't do that. You know, Who's the father founding of our country? Uh, the, the father of our country? That's George Washington. Anybody ever heard of Washington, D.C.? Washington Monument? Washington State? Was okay. Did George Washington own slaves? Yes. Well, then we need to correct that. You're going to rename our nation's capital? You know, just be careful of that. And I'm not saying, I'm not justifying. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying at all. I'm not justifying anything. But I'm just saying... I made mistakes in my life. I hope you don't judge me by my past because Jesus says, Paul writes, forgetting what lies behind me, I press on toward the mark. I'm glad somebody didn't look at me and say, Edgar, you messed up long ago. You'll never be a preacher. Well, I got news for you. I am. Doctors looked at my mom. Hey, poison's in your system. He'll never be born. Surprise, I am. But just be careful with that. And these, law, these guys right here, they believed in the law. And they tried to go back and fuss at people and, and they put heavy burdens on them. And unless you do certain things, you can't get into heaven. Guys, watch that slippery slope. These people basically hated everybody. And Jesus was no different. We don't like you because you're saying you can get to heaven without doing anything. No, you've got to trust in me. You just don't work your way to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For not by 
you know, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. Jesus just now told him something totally different. You don't work your way to get to heaven. Nicodemus probably thought, well, that's all I've ever taught. Well, then it's wrong. By the way, do these people lie? Sure. Uh, Max Lucado gave an example in one of his books one time I thought it was cool. This, pretend a rope is 100 feet long. You string the rope out. It's like you leashing your dog. You, you string the rope out and you get it to this far, but I want to get that plate right there and I can't reach it. So I tie some rope onto my rope and then I can go out and get it. I just now changed the rule right there, by the way. That's like your dog. My master only wants me to go here, but I am going to tie some more leash on so I can go right over here and bite the mailman. You can't do that. So Nicodemus, you're used to keeping laws right here. I'm going to give you the most famous verse. John 3, 16, God so loved you that he gave you me. If you'll just trust in me, I'm going to change the rule right there. Ah, oh, you're breaking the rule. I am. Jesus is the law. He is the rule. He fulfilled the law. Look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. You've got to believe in me, Nicodemus. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And Nicodemus says, well, I just feel like I don't understand everything quite, but I'm getting the better. He says, well, picture it like this, Nicodemus. Picture a light. Y'all go ahead and tell me that. And what? Darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. People live in darkness. Keep reading. Look what he says. This is the verdict. When a judge goes, here's the verdict. Jesus sort of like saying, this is the final word, Nicodemus. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be, plainly, be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Okay, so let me see if you've been listening. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, how can I get to heaven? And Jesus says, you got to trust in me. Okay, so far I understand. Paul, can you click that, please? Let me see if I can. I think that just sort of froze up. Well, let me try it. It's all right. Nicodemus, I was going to tell you, he has a birthday. He has a change of heart. How can you tell? Flip over to John chapter 7 in your Bible. I was going to show you up there where you could. John chapter 7. I can't predict the future. I might just have to. Did that go? Thank you. You're such a miracle. So we talk about birthdays today. Yep. John chapter 3, I just now told you the story of Nicodemus. I think Nicodemus looked at Jesus. Like, I want you to look at me. You ready? Nicodemus looked at Jesus that night, and it all clicked. And he says, so you're the son of God, and if I just trust in you, my life will change. And Jesus went. And for the first time, I don't know if Nicodemus bowed his head and said, grabbed his hand and said, Jesus, I love you. I need you. Come into my heart and be my Savior. Amen. And he looked up and he was a changed person as he walked back home that night. By the way, he came to see Jesus at night. Why? 
Maybe you know what? He didn't want anybody to see him. So like me and you in school, we don't want to, if I bow my head, my friends may laugh at me. Nicodemus, if I go see Jesus, my friends may laugh at me. So maybe he's coming at night out of fear. Maybe it's just a cool evening walk. I don't know. But Nicodemus said this. He comes to Jesus and says, how can I be born again? And Jesus very kindly says, Nicodemus, you teach Bible and you don't know this. That'd be like, I'm the Bible teacher at King College. And I walk in there and welcome class. Turn in Ezekiel. I don't know where Ezekiel is. Can you find that in my Bible? You're the Bible teacher? Wow. We sort of, that's Nicodemus. I don't even know how I can get to heaven. You don't? So Jesus kindly says, you religious leader? No, he didn't. He says, Nicodemus, my gracious, you teach the law and you don't even know how to get to heaven. Nicodemus, I think he was restless in his life. I think he realized something was missing. I think he went to the resource to find some answers. Uh, at least I love the way he did. I don't understand something about God. I'm going to go talk to God. Can you imagine that? He went at night. Why? I don't know if he's scared. Maybe he wondered if his friends would still like him. He walked home that night a changed man, though. I believe he now. How do I know that? Well, I ask you to turn to John chapter 7. He's mentioned three times in the Bible. John chapter 3, we got that. He was talking to Jesus. In John chapter 7, would you look at John chapter 7? Nicodemus now goes back. He's just like you. If you ask Jesus into your heart today and you're born again, you are going to go back to your same school, most likely. And in your school, you think, I'm a Christian, but I'm in sort of the same place. Nicodemus is now, I believe, a believer. But he's in his same capacity of friends. So watch what happens in chapter 7 of John. They're getting on Jesus. They want to go and find fault with him. Guess who takes up for him a little bit? So is Jesus the Christ? They sit there and hammer this out. In verse 45, finally the temple guards, they sent him to check on Jesus. They came back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked him, why didn't you bring him with you? In other words, we sent you to go get Jesus. And these guards are just sort of like shaking their heads like, you sent us to go get him because he claims to be God. We think he is. <laughs> Pharisees, Really? Why didn't you bring him with you? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. Even they believed in Jesus now. You mean he's deceived you also? The Pharisees get mad. Has any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No. You know why? Because y'all are blind. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, well, there's a curse on them. Look what verse 50. Here's a man, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, in John chapter 3, and who was one of his own number. What does that mean? He's saved. He's a Christian. He's stuck in a hard place right here. Do I take up for Jesus or do I get along with my friends? Or He, he doesn't want to deny Jesus, but he doesn't want to come right out. I believe in Jesus. You can kill me with, you, with him. He doesn't say that, but watch what he says. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of his own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? Guys, y'all can't kill him. Why don't you find out about him? That's what he's basically said. He's taken up for his Savior. And they replied, Oh, are you from Galilee too? Look into it. You'll find that a prophet doesn't come out of Galilee. Obviously, they were wrong. But Nicodemus tried to take up for Jesus. And then finally in John chapter 19, last time Nicodemus is mentioned. Anybody know why he's mentioned in John chapter 19? He helped take down... Jesus from a cross. Nicodemus, I don't think he, you would say he denied Jesus, 
But in John chapter 19, he helped do something. And if he was ever shy, he lost his shyness at this. If he was ever a secret disciple, he's not anymore. After the crucifixion, there the death of Jesus. John chapter 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea. But secretly, because he feared the Jews, he didn't let everybody know. Secretly, because he feared the Jews, he was a secret Christian. With Pilate's permission, though, he came and took down the body. He was accompanied by who? Nicodemus. Look. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes with 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it up and they basically they buried Jesus. So picture this. Nicodemus comes in John chapter 3 and says, I don't even know how to know you. Jesus says, you want another birthday? What are you talking about? You've got to be born again. How can I be born again? Go in my mother's womb? What are you talking about? No, now Nicodemus, you're born flesh, first time, spirit, second time. Okay, it's getting a little bit clearer. And for God so loved you that he gave you his son, and I'm his son. If you trust in me, I'll save you. Okay. Let me explain it one more time, Nicodemus. There's darkness and light. You're in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness. Right now you're living in darkness. You want to get out of the darkness? Yes, I do. Then we can pray, and Jesus leads Nicodemus to himself. Nicodemus gets saved and goes home that night. How am I going to tell the family? Might be like you. What if you went back from camp and said, I found Jesus this week? Your smart alecky brother probably said, I didn't know he was lost. No, I mean, I found him. He, he's in my heart. Oh, I don't believe that stuff. Well, I know I do, and he's mine. And that's what Nicodemus said. So he's standing in the Pharisees in John chapter 7. They want to go kill Jesus. They said, wait a minute now. You can't kill this man. Wait a minute, Nicodemus. Something's different about you. Yeah, there is. A few chapters later, 12 chapters later, in John chapter 19, Nicodemus can't hide it anymore. He goes up and says, let me help you with the body. He's pulling down the body of Jesus. Tears are running down his face and going, I remember that night I talked to you and you saved me. And Joseph, I'm going to tell you, is looking at him. He's getting emotional too. And they're wrapping up Jesus and they both look at each other and words don't come. Hmm. Finally, Nicodemus finishes wrapping and he puts... And they put him in the tomb and he walks away and goes, he says, you're coming back. Uh, I'm counting on it. Three days later, Jesus did. And I bet you one of the first few people that wanted to come see him was Nicodemus. Have you had more than one birthday so far in your life? Now just think, you can today. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, someone in here... Uh, might have a question right now and say, how can I be born again? That's what Nicodemus asked. So Jesus helped that tender heart that's wondering about you not to feel bad because that's what Nicodemus wondered. How in the world can I be born two times? I don't understand. And you very kindly and tenderly and softly spoke to him and said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, only one he had, that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. And so, Jesus, I could just picture you years ago telling Nicodemus, I am God's son, and if you trust in me, I'll save you. And that's what you're telling people today. Nicodemus, 
ask you into his heart that night. I believe you got saved then. We got evidence in the Bible that he was a changed man. So today, Jesus, I know all of us have been born at least once. And I wasn't even supposed to be born that first time, but you saw a miracle should take place, and here I am. So Jesus, all of us are born that first time, fleshly, from our mother's womb, and here we are. But some may not have been born twice that second time. They may not have said, Jesus, would you come into my heart and forgive me of all my sins, cleanse me, wash me whiter than snow. I believe that you died on a cross to pay for my sins, and you were buried and you rose again the third day. You're a risen Savior. I'm going to trust in you. Would you save me? And you've promised that you will. So, Lord, please speak to campers right now. Counselors, speak to all of our hearts. As you got your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to offer the invitation. If you want to have a birthday today, you can. How tender that is, Jesus says, I'll save you. I'll save anyone who calls on me. And somebody says, I'm going to call on you. And then he looks at you tenderly and says, then you've got me. So maybe today you're Nicodemus, you don't understand it all, but you want to ask Jesus in your heart. And you'd pray a simple prayer like that. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I realize I don't have you, but I want you. Would you forgive me and come into my heart and be my Savior? And you say in Jesus' name. And Jesus through mercy and goodness and grace and miracle, <laughs> He just comes into your heart and saves you. So would someone slip up a hand if you say, I need to ask Jesus into my heart. Anyone? And He's working on hearts. And it could be that everybody in this room knows Jesus, but then it could be that they don't. So I can only extend the invitation. Jesus is the same way just like he spoke to Nicodemus. You say, well, maybe there's another time I could come to him. I don't want to do it here. Wow, Nicodemus came to him at night, I think, because he was a little bit afraid or maybe embarrassed. But you're at a Bible camp. can't get much easier than that. The Holy Spirit tugs at your heart. And my, what a great place to ask Jesus into it. So maybe something's on your heart today. Maybe you need Christ. Maybe you just say, I just want to pray. So dear Jesus, with these heads bowed and these eyes closed, you're tugging at hearts. and We might have someone like a Nicodemus. Oh, they've been to church. Nicodemus was religious. He'd probably go to the synagogue every Sunday, yeah, every Sabbath, but he didn't know you. Well, we got people who go to church every Sunday and sit on pews and have no idea who you are. Well, they've heard about God, but they don't know him. Today, Jesus, I pray that, that would change, that we'd know you personally before we leave chapel. So continue to speak to us, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.